Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Giant Pod with me, Andy Rintmore. My guest this week is comedian and podcaster, Nicholas Stephen. We talk about moving to London from a small town in your late 20s and making dreams come true. We talk about the roots of loving comedy. We talk about the art of stand-up comedy. We talk about her stand-up comedy set and how she opens a show. We talk about the importance of that first 30 seconds to establish yourself to the audience, bring them over to your side, and then roll on with your set and hopefully kill it and not bomb. We do talk about bombing. We talk about getting a bit ahead of yourself, being a bit overconfident, we talk about podcasts we talk about her podcast i'm still standing we talk about her comedy night that she set up for a more diverse um uh, range of comedians a more diverse demographic that's called sub fun we talk about uh hanging out with a weird vicar in your <laughs> in your late teens we talk about all kinds of things um i really loved this conversation and uh, i want to thank nicola for being so vulnerable so open and so honest in many points in this podcast um i really love chatting to comedians there's something about comedians where things just roll um, really easily and you never feel like you're going anywhere that's like too out of bounds or whatever i really enjoy the freedom that comes with talking to uh, stand-up comedians um i think you guys are gonna love her um we're definitely gonna get back on the podcast at some point uh because i, I just enjoyed myself so much with her so here it is this is nicola stephen on the giant pod enjoy I've also debated doing a, a like a late night style show. Okay. But cr- like a Christmas special thing. Okay. What would so, that entail? You know, like Conan and uh-huh. Jimmy Fallon and... So just have like a bunch of guests and they come in and stay and... Yeah, and it'd be... Maybe a band in the background. Yeah, I just like the idea of someone taking what's usually the territory of a big budget yeah. <laughs> network... Um, production and just doing the best they can with it. So I want like a punk band instead of like your traditional, yeah, instead of your lounge (laughs) jazz band doing like the cover of the artist who's coming in or something. Yeah, noise between guests. Yeah. Um, So sort of like if you were to like take a late night show like the Jonathan Ross show and mix it up with TGL Friday. Not TGI. <laughs> Is that a restaurant? It's a very different show. <laughs> TFI Friday. TFI. Yeah. yeah, sort of like that. Yeah. I love that. But I'm sure it's done. I'm sure oh, it's been yeah, done. Oh, yeah, but like, I think the problem is that, like, everything everything has been done yeah i don't feel like anything is like original anymore but you can do your version of it and i think that's what's special yeah 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 you put your twist on it yeah well it was like with my podcast like i'd been doing comedy for a few years before i started doing that and i always had in the back of my head maybe for like my profile it'd be good uh to do it and to hone my skills in different ways and all that but i was just like oh there's so many like how can i compete with all these amazing other podcasts and then I thought do you know fuck it can I swear yeah fuck <laughs> like, it fuck it fucking, <laughs> I'm probably already sworn a load of fuck, times fucking swear go for it <laughs> but like why should that stop you like there's bigger idiots than you that are doing it already so yeah give it a go I think that when I think about learning to drive yeah if I and I don't normally really get that 
sort of little saboteur in my yeah. brain going, you can't do that. It is normally like, well, if I decide I'm going to do it, I'm going to fucking nail it, right? And then sometimes I think, oh, I'm driving, you know, can I, should I learn to drive? How long is it going to take? You know, some people take ages and some some people like fail their fit and everything. And then I look around, I think, some of these idiots yep. driving cars who have, you know, I don't know what their IQ is, but it's not, <laughs> yeah. it might be single digits. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, well, if they're driving around and they haven't killed themselves or anyone else yet, yeah. then there's no reason why I can't go and learn to drive, really. So I kind of feel like that. But even like podcasts, though, there doesn't seem to be... It seems to be this weird bastion of media where uh-huh. you actually support other people's podcasts yeah. and there is no real... It's not like networks having a rivalry for the best late yeah. night show. Yeah. We're not you're not pitting I think if this was done on TV, it would be different. There would be competition. But yeah. there's so much out there. Yeah. It's almost overwhelming. So you you're almost like, well, there is no competition because everyone's offering something different. Totally, yeah. And it's I guess like you were saying, it's like the way that people receive it, you they choose when to listen or whatever. So why the hell not just go and yeah go and do it and I did and it was great Uh, yeah and there are people out there that will listen to your podcast and then lunchtime will come and they've finished it up and then they'll go and listen to the giant pod absolutely and so is there really competition because you people just picking and choosing exactly yeah i mean i'm a huge podcast fan and i had been for a long time before i started mine and yeah i listened to a huge array i mean most of it is like comedy and true crime but there's a lot of other stuff within that and it's not like i'm like okay this is the one this is the podcast right yeah yeah i mean it's other than joe rogan yeah who is which the, i've never ever listened to an episode top dog. <laughs> uh joe's good i mean that that seems weirdly controversial to say now yeah <laughs> yeah totally i've had some really good I've, I've enjoyed a lot of joe rogan episodes i don't so much these days yeah there's been there's been loads of really good ones it's when he gets the people on that are like he doesn't know that much about what they do uh-huh. and they're really interesting yeah because he's got the budget and the profile He's the podcast, so so his podcast now kind of gets put into that sort of round robin of stuff that people do before they bring out a big book or a big movie. Like he doesn't always have Hollywood stars in there or whatever. Yeah. He doesn't have the biggest rock stars in the world either. But he is he's got that much clout and that much listenership now that the people he gets in, it almost doesn't matter that it's him. Yeah, you know, it's that it's that they've they've been brought into a format which is very candid and yes. open and can be quite vulnerable and that's quite interesting and he's one of the only podcasts that gets that kind of ilk of of, of people and yeah. so it's just interesting to see them in the genre true um maybe yeah. i maybe i'll give him a couple of give listens. him a go but don't you know go out your way for yeah, it yeah i just i don't i just never i was never drawn to it so yeah no and i'm i, I and I don't think you're his demographic either. No, no. If we're being really honest. <laughs> no. And I felt sort of feel like I'm not his demographic. No, I either. wouldn't have put you in there either. Um, I try to kind of cherry pick the bits that I I find interesting. I do I do feel like the the further into his career he gets, the more stuff he says. I go, oh, like, yeah. Like, have you ever left America? Like, yeah. Well, this is the thing. I think a lot of stars they get to that point where they think they can say anything. And a lot of them can. They can say anything and then put an apology out and then it's all good. Yeah. Usually if they're a white male. Um, 
get a lot more leniency. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, he seems to still be doing all right with all the stuff he's been saying. Yeah. So. Well, Spotify said, give us the show, we'll yeah. give you 100 million to go exclusive to Spotify. That's... Yeah. So it's yeah, it's a bit one of a, day, one yeah, day we'll get there. No brainer, <laughs> isn't it? That one. Even if the show sucks after that, he's got a hundred million. He's done it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can stop. Stop trying. But yeah. But enough of that. Enough about Joe. Yeah. Rogan. Yeah. I don't want to talk about him. When was the last time I saw you? A long time ago, just yeah. before you moved to London. Yeah. So I've been in London for over five years now. And how do you feel about that? I love it. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I Even before I moved, it was always, like, the place I wanted to be. So I've always been a creative person, and I started being a graphic designer in my early 20s, and it kind of was drummed into me when I did my degree and when I was working in various places that, like, London is a place to do it in. And even right. before that, I just... You get that draw to I the like big that, city, yeah. right? Yeah, I've had friends that lived there, and every time I visited, I got that little itch to, like, go and be there. Um, and then my work offered me a transfer, and I thought, yes, I'm going to do that. Right, because I, I followed you on social media, and oh, yeah. um, I follow, I still follow you on social media. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what was it? We did, Oh, we did a Glastonbury together. Oh, my God, Didn't yeah. Didn't we? We worked Gosh. on the same crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was many sort of... Like, you know, it was like 6, 7 a.m. We're coming off shift. <laughs> yeah. Looking haggard and, <laughs> and beaten. And you're going on shift looking at us like, oh, shit. What, yeah. what have we got ourselves in for? God, that was years ago. I think that was probably the last Glastonbury I went to. And that was, I think that was probably the last time I ever, like, and maybe the only time, actually, I ever really spent any amount of time mm-hmm. with you. Which wasn't even that much. Yeah, because I was in... Room for three years before I moved, and you're one of those figures that like everybody knows. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh yeah, I know, I know Big Andy, of course, <laughs> but like I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of that. People, yeah. there's some people out there think they really know me. I'm sure they do. <laughs> yeah, they don't know me. They really know me, <laughs> nah. they really know me. online. Um, <laughs> they say, um, and, and yeah, and, and so yeah, I felt like once you'd moved, I started to see some real. Some real evolution, I think, uh-huh. in you. And you know, I picked this up from your social media. I really felt, felt like that you were, like, blossoming or Absolutely. you'd found... I don't know what it was because, I, like I said, I don't know you that intimately at all, really. But I do remember this feeling of that sometimes people go and do stuff. They move away. Yeah. And you see... You see growth and you Absolutely. see a difference in the what they're putting online or how they look or yeah. or their general optimism or whatever Absolutely. about life. All of that definitely definitely relates to me. Like I felt like I was treading water for a long time right. in Somerset. And like although like I loved living in Froome because it's the like coolest place in Somerset. <laughs> <laughs> but like it just felt not enough for me like it always felt not enough whatever I was doing always felt not enough and then I moved to London and I I got out of a long relationship which I think whenever you get out of a long relationship you do a lot of growth mm. um, and yeah all of those things together really made me kind of get in touch with what I wanted and yeah I always had such a wanting to be in London so when I finally got there I was like right Right. I'm going for this now. And part of that was um, comedy. 
Right. So, yeah, I started... The, I was actually thinking about this on the drive over. Right. The first time I thought about doing comedy, I was 19, but I was living in this tiny little town in... Well, Wincanton. I would right. say, no one's going to know it, but you know. Wincanton massive. Yeah, it's, it's a shithole. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I hated living there. It's actually quite nice now that I go back, but I don't want to be there full time. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to do it while I was living there, but um, just no opportunities really. And, you know, I was 19. What the fuck was I going to talk about? <laughs> I hadn't done anything. Um, I actually, like, the first person that recommended that I do stand-up, I made friends with a vicar. <laughs> I, yeah, I had very few friends in Wincanton, and right. one of them was, was the vicar. a vicar that was 33. I, no offence to vicars out there, but that sounds bleak. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty bleak. <laughs> um, he said, he was like, oh, the way you tell stories is like a stand-up. And, right. um, I mean, he turned out to be a creep, but... <laughs> And so often a 30-year-old hanging out with a 19-year-old, that will be the outcome. But um, we started writing something together because he right. said that he wanted... So you were 13? I was 19. You were 19. <laughs> yeah. How old was he? 33. Yeah. I wasn't oh, quite 13. Yeah, right. that would have been real yeah, dumb. Because we used to go drinking together. I used to get shit-faced yeah. with the vicar. Uh, and then we'd head back to oh, his and weird. do a bit of writing. This yeah. is weird, isn't Yeah, it? it was getting a little grey. <laughs> um, but yeah, we started writing this sitcom together. Um, and the thing is, I think there was, was it about actually... about a 33-year-old vicar was about in love with a 19-year-old girl? <laughs> I think there were some good bits, but I have no idea because we were smashed when we were doing it. So um, I was also taking some drugs at the time. Ah, was uh, the vicar doing drugs? Tell no, me. but I did see him once, like rifling through my bag trying to find some drugs. Really? Yeah, and he, I think he played it off like he was trying to help me out, but <laughs> I think he wanted some. You were his project. Yeah, totally. He was trying to save you. You were his entrance into heaven. He did tell me he wanted to save myself. <laughs> I was like, what's that code for? That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Um, but yeah, we... That's I, so <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. I really would love to like go back and read it because I bet a lot of it's horseshit. Right. But um, yeah. So that was my first thing. And then... Your first foray into comedy. Yeah. And it was pretty weird. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah. But I'd always like write stuff down. I was like, oh, this is funny. Yeah. Like, if I was watching a documentary or I just saw something funny, I'd, like, make a note. And so I do have notebooks that I find that I'm like, what the fuck was that? I've got a bit in my phone that's notes yeah. for stand-up comedy. Yeah. Are you and, do, do you just stand up? No. <laughs> you want no, to, then? No, I've thought about it. I, like you, I've been told yeah. throughout my life, oh, you should do stand-up. Um, I have so much respect for stand-up, though. Yeah. Because... You can sing, you can dance, you can act, you can do radio, you can write books, you can be a polymath. Yeah. How many of those people are also stand-up comedians? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's, totally. It's like such a different beast, isn't it? Yeah. It's a ridiculous beast and it's something that's, yeah, it's just, there's no path of least resistance with stand-up comedy, is there? Yeah. And it's not about who you know. No, no. It's not like, about what you look it, like. It will get you so far. Right. But you actually have to deliver. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing. You can have all these guys that, oh, no, I wrote my autobiography. I'm an author yeah. now. 
<laughs> or yeah, I, I guested on that that big hit, and and you know now I'm a you know famous rapper now or something, and oh, and I was in this film, and you know and like, oh that's really great, but stand up requires something something that can't be given to you externally. Yeah, right. It's something that has to come from you. Yeah, and if totally. it isn't, it's sniffed out and extinguished immediately, oh, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen so many acts on the open mic circuit that have been told that they're the funny guy in the office or right. whatever, and it just doesn't <laughs> just translate. It just doesn't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just doing finger guns. Um, but it doesn't, it just doesn't work out. Right. There's nothing quite like it, really. I can't... It's it's an amazing feeling when you get a, like a whole room full of people laughing at something you said. Yeah, I think that's dangerous for me. Yeah, yeah. If I, you know, I was thinking about this earlier, right? At some point in my life, I'm going to have to do a best man speech. Okay. How the hell do you do that, right? <laughs> but there's essentially a, it's essentially a low key strain of stand up comedy, I think. Totally. Right, and if I nail that, which I will, when the time <laughs> I comes, I can see you do well. I will. I will leave that. Then you, that day, going, I'm going to do that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going into stand-up. Because I'll be like, that was amazing. Yeah. Feeling that, like, you know, yeah, being on a Yeah, having a room roll. in your hands, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, I've really, I've really bigged up my best man speech yeah. writing, haven't I, now? <laughs> Absolutely, you better kill. Yeah, I better kill it now. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, yeah I, just, I have so much respect for stand-up comedy. And there's a part of me that would really love to do it. Yeah. And I think if I really worked hard for like three years, I could have a really solid 15 minutes. Yeah. But the trouble is once you get to the end of that 15, that, that three years or whatever. What do you do? You look <laughs> at that first five minutes and you're like, no, I've grown so much now. So yeah. at what point do you go, oh, right, this is ready. I'm going to take it out. There has to be an element of going out and failing, I think. Oh, isn't God, there? loads of failing. Loads and loads right? of failing. And it feels so shitty right it really does like when you're when you're going out with some new material and you're like this is fucking brilliant right like not that i mean no you, ha you have to think it's brilliant otherwise well, you wouldn't you wouldn't put yourself in such a vulnerable position it's difficult it? because like you would say oh i always I, I always feel like i can do stuff i'm the absolute opposite i'm uh, just constant imposter syndrome but okay. like when i go to do uh performance when it's like something new i'm like at least i find it funny you know i think this is funny and like now i kind of like bounce it off my friends or my girlfriend or whatever yeah but i'm like they're biased right. like, they, they they like me so it's kind of like you have to try and make the audience like you really quick and then get into the stuff but yeah, when you think this is really funny and then it comes back and it's just a wall of silence. I'd rather someone said, you're shit, than just the silence. <laughs> the worst thing is when there's like a room full of people like on the edge of smiling because they're like, I really want to laugh at her. She seems like a nice person. Right. But this isn't but funny. Yeah. <laughs> there's maybe some snobbery there as well because like if you're in a, like a prestigious comedy club, yeah, I'm sure there's a part of it where people are on the scene and they always go and watch these things, yeah. right? And they're probably someone who's like, well, I can't be seen to laugh at this if it's not really great. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. that happens, yeah. Well, that's usually when you're doing it to a bunch of comedians. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> they're either so engrossed in their own psyche of like, I've got to go up and do that in a minute or I've just done it and psychoanalyzing how it went. Yeah. 
or they're just like too cool. <laughs> too cool for school. They're Whereas right. I'm the opposite. I feel like if I think something's funny, I will laugh louder and harder to be right. like to show that I'm appreciating it. I like okay, I like that. Yeah. So it's not the Andy Warhol school of cool, which is like <laughs> yeah. never be uh never be impressed by anything. Yeah. Which is just crazy. Yeah, I mean if something's shit, then I'm not gonna encourage it, but <laughs> Yeah, I just think stand-up is just amazing, isn't it? I would love I would love to, I don't know, it's one of those things like, this sounds, it's going to sound really douchey, but I'm not used to failing. Uh-huh. That sounds douchey. And maybe I've just got to own that. But there's there's a lot of failure, isn't there, there in is. stand-up comedy? There is, a lot of rejection. And, re- yeah, like you said, rejection. And mostly everything I tr- do goes all right. Goes well, then well. you'd probably be all right. Um <laughs> I don't know if that's just because of an attitude towards failure, not being actual failure, not seeing it as failure and being like, well, oh, well, that's just something to learn from and not do again. Yeah, I think it, you do have to kind of like change your perspective. Like the first first time that I properly bombed, I was mortified because I had a really good run of first gigs where right. it went really well. And I, like after the first one, I was so buzzed. It was it was at the Bill Murray and it was packed out. It was a really great audience. Everybody was like really on board. They knew it was my first gig and I the high I felt was like insane. Right. But then maybe three or four gigs down the line, it I was, it was awful. Did you get too confident? I think so, yeah. You just got a step ahead of yourself. I, like, I cringe thinking about it now, but I remember there was an act that was probably the same sort of time on the circuit as me, and he was really nervous. So I was like, oh, you just got to go up and not give a fuck. And then I went up and absolutely died. <laughs> and I just wanted to, like, have the world, like, eat me up. It was awful. Yeah. But this is the thing, isn't it, is that we've... we've with guys like the guys at the top of their game, the guys with the name, yeah, who've been on, um, the, you know, say they've been on eight out of ten cats, and they're on yeah. that sort of TV thing, and they're more like nationally recognised, probably more like mainstream celebrities. Yeah. Someone like Michael McIntyre or whatever, Jimmy Carr, people now they have a pre-installed fan base, right? Exactly. So their next tour could be twenty percent less funny. They've probably still got the same laughs. Oh, totally. Because people want to like them. They want to laugh at them. They yeah. want them to be great. They're rooting for them. They're already going in psychologically. Absolutely. They bought into it already. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you make me laugh on TV every Friday night. We're like mates, right? They, yeah. The, the profile has done a lot of the hard work for them. Because mm. like I say, you, you go in to a room that like people that don't know you and you've got to get them on side and laugh at your stuff. In it, about two minutes, you've got to yeah. get them on side well, you've got with like you, right? Thirty seconds to say something funny, really, to get people to be like, "Okay, I trust them." Okay, so <laughs> I mean, it, we're not in a comedy club right now. Okay, but what's your what's your go to currently when you get on stage? What's your body language like? Do you take the mic straight out the mic oh, stand? Yeah. Take you've got to take the mic. You've got to show straight that you know out. what you're doing. Take the mic straight out. Right. The stand at the back. Right. So you're like, I'm fucking here now. Yeah. And, and I'm me I, business. I, I right? try to. I try to stay centered because I've been told it's better energy for the crowd. But I always sway. I don't know why. I can't stop myself swaying. Right. Um, Do and, they like that bit? Because I don't know. A little bit <laughs> of like. 
Look, Maybe like, I'm trying to seem Ray bigger Charles. than I am. <laughs> Stevie, it's not a Stevie Wonder, is it? It's not no, it's not quite that extreme. Right. But I do like I go from one foot to the other. Like it's a nervous like, energy, isn't it? It is a nervous energy. I do, but I think that is part of my persona that I'm kind of I'm this little anxiety ball, which is who I am. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do have my favorite opener, which yeah. I will do for you now. But it will full flat because it's I'm not going to deliver it in the right way okay and um, now in my head I'm deciding do you laugh do you laugh Andy out of politeness if it's not funny do you do you laugh do you laugh in the spirit of the the podcast and mutually backing each other up or do you go yeah I can see why that would work and not, and not laugh I think it would be funnier if you just have dead silence afterwards <laughs> Maybe like put in a tumbleweed sound. Okay, I'm going to try not to laugh. Okay, How's cool. that, right? Okay. Because now, if you don't laugh, it's because we said about that bit. Exactly. Not because it's not funny. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so um, I say, guys, I had my um, washing machine replaced recently and my landlord turned around to me and said, listen, guys, you're going to have to treat this like your baby. And I say, get rid of it within 24 weeks. not sure if I'm allowed to laugh at that (laughs) (laughs) and that's why I like it because like it really that joke wouldn't work in Texas anymore would it no (laughs) yeah I haven't been asked at all there no No. (laughs) you haven't been asked back no no um yeah okay yeah yeah Yeah. all right so where do you go from there like you've set the bar pretty low (laughs) (laughs) exactly I do yeah I do reference that it's like it can only get up from there you know um so yeah i do bits about relationships um so when i developed that joke it was when i was developed. doing relationships. <laughs> right sorry <laughs> and then, what a wanker right. <laughs> when, when i was in the lab that. with a pen and a pad um sorry but i i was doing a set about relationships um so i i go into my relationships but at the moment i'm developing a god wanker i'm actually doing a set about crime right because i've been robbed a bunch of times in lockdown (laughs) if it can get any worse well you know what they say write what you know exactly yeah um okay so right okay i don't know what to do now so you've so you've gone is this a tactic though? So you set, so you go, I disarm you them. figure out where the line is with <laughs> yeah, the crowd immediately. Yeah. yeah, totally. And then you go, well, fucking hell, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, uh, I'll drop clean that this joke and... about suicide. <laughs> well, yeah. So, oh, you, you don't like that. You're going to hate the incest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bit. Um, okay. Okay. Interesting. I do, I, I find comedians, the psychology of it, the art of it, everything about it, so fascinating. Yeah. Sometimes, I'm a bit autistic about it. Uh-huh. And I can say that because I've got ADHD, so I'm on the spectrum. Thanks oh, well, I like. think I've got ADHD. We've probably all got yeah. it, like, <laughs> you know, if we're doing this stuff. Yeah, um, totally. And sometimes I'll sit there and watch a comedian and not laugh. Yeah. And it's weird, but I won't laugh because I'm sat there and I'm like, oh, I wonder how you got to that bit. I'm analysing it. Uh-huh. Instead of just enjoying it at face value, I'm being analytical about uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to figure, and that is sometimes how I enjoy some of the, like Bill Hicks yeah. does not make me laugh out loud. Really? No. 
but I love to listen to him and I love how he puts the story together. Yeah, it's, it's crazy watching, yeah. I mean, I think the whole, like, breaking it down, that's basically how I got really interested in comedy. And I was listening to an interview with Phil Jupitus uh-huh. and he was saying, I started doing comedy, basically, because I was going to a load of comedy shows and I was analysing how they should, like, punch up their jokes and I kept on saying this to my friends. They were like, just write a fucking set. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And and if you've got all the bright ideas, why exactly. aren't you, you know, why don't you do it? And, right. Yeah, because he, he started out as Porky the Poet. Do you know this? I don't know this. Yeah, no. I've so, met Phil Jupiter. Have you? Well, I sort of did. He was very nice. Yeah. It was only briefly. But, yeah, me too. He was, yeah. uh, very, he was wearing a bright purple suit, so I couldn't help but notice him. Right. <laughs> You want to be noticed, <laughs> yeah, don't you, exactly. when you wear that? Yeah. But, um, yeah, he, he started off as Porky the Poet, and so he was doing poetry, and he was supporting uh, Billy Bragg. Oh, yeah. okay, this makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's all, it all, like, fits together. And he was, he would do the poetry, but then in between, he would make funny comments. And then I think it may have been him, it may have been, it may have been Billy Bragg, but it might have been somebody else that said... Drop the poetry, just do the comedy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because Billy Connolly was a bit like that. Oh, yeah. He was one of these sort of long-haired, well, he's always got long hair, hasn't he? Yeah. But he was one of these kind of like hippies in the 60s. He used to work at the dockyards or something. So he, he had a proper like, oh, masculine, jo- you know, masculine yeah. job industry. Um, and then in the evenings he was doing, or that was what, that, or that was the other option or something. You know, yeah. that was the kind of area he came from. And um, he was a folk singer, and he yes, and he yeah. just tell funny stories between songs, and eventually the songs just got less and less, and the stories got more, yeah. more and more. And he still does a bit of um, well, <laughs> when he was performing, he he would do um, songs in his sets. Would he? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I remember this. Yeah, I haven't actually watched a hell of a lot of um, a Billy Connolly stuff because I like him, I respect him, I think he's really cool. Yeah. But. I don't know, it doesn't quite do it for me. Really? Other than the bit when he was talking about Toblerone in hotel rooms. <laughs> I can't remember. And how they keep it in the fridge so you can never, like, fucking bite through it. And he's talking about having an alp in his mouth <laughs> and he's just drooling all over it. That made me laugh. And something about diarrhoea that was so explosive. He said his, his ass was hanging in tatters. I liked that. It's hanging in tatters. <laughs> And then, and then I liked the bit when he was talking about the scrotum as just being a hairy brain. Oh, looks like a hairy brain. Oh, but that's God. it for Billy Connolly yeah. for me, really. I mean, I can't quote any of his material, but I do. I mean, my dad's um, Glaswegian, so he's a big fan. Ah. And yeah, I love, I love him. He's he's a very funny man. Who is your favourite comedian? We should probably talk about that. <sighs> See, I I find it quite hard to say because, like, does it change all the time? I guess so. I I guess. The one that's been the most constant is Maria Bamford. Okay. And so when I... So I actually got into her not that long ago, really. Uh, I, it was when I was, like, seriously looking into doing comedy when I was still living in Froome. And uh, I was looking at... Uh, if you want to be a comedian, these are the comedians you should know. Right. And she was on the list. And I was like, I can't believe I don't know her. Because I knew most of the other ones because I'm a bit of a comedy nerd. And... Um, yeah, she she's incredible. She's from um I can't remember exactly where she's from, but she lives in LA now and she's so funny. She does impressions of her parents 
Um, she does other voices and things, but she's really kind of like a surreal um, observational comedian. Okay. Yeah, she's got some specials on Netflix. Um, oh, maybe she's I know bloody her brilliant. So she's British? No, 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 she's American. American. From Duluth. There we go. Okay. I saw some... Last year, I saw a bunch of um, comedy specials on Netflix from women. And I'll tell you what, they were much better. I'm not just saying this for like woke points or something. (laughs) But like, they were like incredible. Yeah. Like really fucking great. Yeah. Much better than some of the stuff I've seen from the dudes. Absolutely. I shamefully I felt that there was a point I guess it's when I got into her that I was like oh actually most of the comedians I like are men maybe I should look into more women and so yeah from then onwards I feel like now all my favorite comedians probably are women right so I really love Lee Sanders I think she's amazing um she's a bit of a weirdo as well wow you're (laughs) all weirdos absolutely well this i was actually having a chat on my podcast the other day because it was another comedian that i was interviewing although i don't like to think of it as an interview i like to think of it as a chat you know yeah it's weird isn't it because i wouldn't call these interviews but what do you call them i know like i was just having a chat in conversation with (laughs) yeah that's what your late night show should be yeah in conversations with yeah, yeah, I'd like it to be smoky and pretentious. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, but yeah, we... Oh, fuck it. Lost that, lost that thread. But basically, yes, there's lots of different influences. Like, I was listening to a podcast earlier today and was thinking, oh my God, actually, I didn't really think about this. I don't feel like it actually influences my comedy, but... When I was a kid, I absolutely loved Shooting Stars. And, like, I watched it with my whole family. Is that the one with... Uh, Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. And what's his name? Matt, oh, Lucas, Matt Lucas on the drums. Yeah. Yeah. George Dawes. I never really got those guys. <laughs> I loved it. People love so them. Strange. I need to go back and, like... I know there's something in there. There's an irreverence, isn't there? Yeah. And I and need to go back and I need to just yeah. get on board with it because I know that there's genius in it. It's so good. I just haven't had my penny drop moment my with it My parents had a VHS of it and I remember watching it over and over and over. I was too young. I don't think I was old enough to be watching it really, but right. all the all the day stuff kind of just went over my head. Yeah, it's probably more about, you know, it's quite a visual thing, isn't yeah. it? Because their comedy is quite slapstick, isn't it? At yeah. times. Yeah, they're like actually hitting each over the head with pans. <laughs> like actually hitting each other. <laughs> I do need to go back and watch this. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I enjoyed actually about the um the the female comedy I was I was watching last year is actually it's quite it's quite eye opening as a uh-huh. for a bloke. I bet it is, yeah. Because they're just, but it can also create a bit of sort of like like neurosis neurosis (laughs) right you'd be like oh i hope they're not i hope they didn't talk about me like that (laughs) (laughs) like it but it's very interesting because it's the female experience yeah presented in a way that's like not usually seen (laughs) not usually seen or um it's disarming it could be disarming for men who have like a i mean i'm like i'm open to when you watch it you're like I don't care if you're a man or a woman. If you I want to be entertained, I want yeah. to laugh, right? So you're going in with that open mind and there's no like real agenda, is there, yeah. to a comedy special and you don't feel like there's any indoctrination or there's any... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, So when you hear these things, it's not like you don't feel attacked or like yeah. picked on or um, 
or, or anything's unfair. You just kind of like I feel like it's really palatable, and you can go, oh, oh I hadn't thought about that. Totally. Or I didn't think about how that would make you feel. Or do you yeah, know what I mean like absolutely? And I think like I think comedy is a really great way of sh- like opening people up to your experiences that. Like, you would not know what it's like to be a lesbian. No. <laughs> I'd like to. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but, like, there's so many lesbian comics out there that are brilliant. And, yeah, it will change your perspective on that uh, demographic. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do find it... Like, I, I was running a joke past a male friend of mine a while back, and it, it was digging at men but it's something that I've actually experienced I can't even remember what it was now but he got so upset with me about it and he said he actually said these words I won't tell him to listen to this (laughs) he'll be all right but he was like if you want equality you've got to treat men the same as you would treat women well that is equality and I was like yeah okay he's missing the point (laughs) let's look at the fucking way the world is shall we as soon as we are equal I will stop talking like we aren't, you know? Like, and yeah. if I'm not talking about you, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking right. about my experiences with men. Mm. And it's like, the only way I can explain it to men if they're feeling a bit put out, I used to watch this show that is run by two black women in New York and a lot of the jokes are at the expense of white people and it took me aback to start with and I was just... Like, oh, should I be, should I be offended? Uh, like, what do right. I, like a lot of white guilt and a lot of like my hangups being brought up. Right. But I was like, oh, but I, the stuff that they're saying doesn't relate to me or some of the stuff does and I'll address that. Right. Like rather than be like, fuck you, like don't say that about me. Yeah. I, I kind of took it on board and was like, they are entitled to their opinion of their experience. Yeah, yeah. And I'm entitled to my experience, to my pers- point of view about my experience. Right. It's like, <clears throat> they're not talking about me, so I'm not going to get offended. And if they are talking about me, maybe I should address that behaviour. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a certain element of, you know, having a uh, a robust ego, isn't there? Or, or being self-aware enough yeah. to... to and, and also, if you're choosing to indulge these people and, yeah. and this product let's say um psychologically you're open to it right? exactly so you've 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 invited i guess it's you and your laptop or your ipad or whatever and you've invited that into your yeah. home into your space into your free time whatever and so there's something with that 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 i feel is like a lot of those elements work towards you know being able to deliver a message properly you know if you're in a crowd of your peers or whatever and you heard things maybe there's there's more opportunity to be defensive or whatever but if you're sat at home and you're letting this happen there's no one else around you yeah and you can just sit there and think about it for a minute and you don't have to tell anyone that you knew that what yeah, they said, exactly. or you've heard that, or you're aware I, of that. I'm not actually like that, just so you know. Right? Yeah, yeah, you don't have to do... So you can you can go, oh, that does apply to me. Yeah. And you can sit there and choose yeah. whether to better yourself or work towards a, a better outcome next time, or you can choose to disregard it. And you don't have to tell anyone about yeah, that either way, true. right? Yeah, totally. So I think it's quite powerful. There's, yeah. there's that choice of like, so we're going to do better here, or we... Yeah. 
not because no one's putting you under any pressure yeah, no to, do it. You to do it. If you anything, know? the world is saying carol as you like. Right? But this is your choice now. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay. I think that's that's kind of there's something in that to be there's something to be said about that. Totally. Um psychologically, I don't know what though. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's great. I, I love talking about comedy. Me too. What would you if you had to put your comedy in, in a sort of a, a genre or a style, where would you sit? I would say it's storytelling, mm. but it's dark humour. Right. Yeah. I love dark humour. Yeah. So, yeah, the abortion joke really helps set the mood right. for bringing on any other <laughs> any other subject. It, it makes me see who's on board and who's not. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, like you said, it's like, you know, when you get... When you get out there, you you need to see what the line is for the audience. Yeah, totally. And do they change or are they just... Because I hear it all the time in comedy things and someone says a dark, edgy joke and they go, oh, fucking hell, I didn't like that one. I know where you where your line is now. We're not going to do the the um, um, necrophilia thing later on. Yeah. Um, and you think, well, which city went for the necrophilia bit, <laughs> right? Like, who's the who are the necros? Like, yeah. where are they? Like, what's right. the... Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I I haven't told, like, I haven't done gigs much out of London really. I in twenty twenty I had a bunch of gigs booked for up north and I was hoping to like really develop and see how it worked outside of London because I don't want to be just a London comic. Right. Um I ideally it'd be nice to do tours and stuff, but I'm not that point yet. But um yeah, like I definitely see a difference between when I do a queer night and when I do a regular bar night. Okay, yeah. tell me, tell me about this. Well, they they like me better at queer nights. <laughs> well, you I, are one of them. Yeah, exactly. I'm with my people. Oh, I remember what I was saying. See, ADHD. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I know. But I when I like came to when I came to comedy, I felt like I'd found my people. And so like I this was the first scene that I'd actually been part of. So as well as uh like developing myself as a human, there was like this other side that was opened up to me. Sorry. Yeah, that was... <laughs> no, carry on, crack on, that's this great. Is, yeah, this is the ADHD brain. I haven't been diagnosed, but you know when you had like loads of downtime in lockdown? Mm. I, I paid five quid to the Autism uh, Society to do a test mm. and they they said that I'm 75% sure that I've got ADHD. Welcome to the club. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. I'm diagnosed. Does this? Is there a hierarchy? I, I don't think, know. Yeah, you're, be- you're a better ADHDer than me. <laughs> I know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think there's a bit of a power with a diagnosis. Yes. Like, I got diagnosed dyslexic when I was 24 and I was doing my degree. Mm. And I knew my entire life I was dyslexic. But having that piece of paper, being like, oh, yeah, this is why you're so shit at school. Right, yeah. I've got some friends, and I'm obviously I'm not going to name names or anything, but they've known for years that their daughter is autistic. Oh, yeah. And... They've known, and it's been almost undebated. Not you know, you can't debate it. Undeniable, she's autistic. It's very obvious, right? And the doctors have basically been saying it, but yeah. obviously the diagnosis thing is a separate thing, isn't it? The doctor can say, "Well, you would, you know, we're sure that this is the route to take now." Because, yeah. but a diagnosis, I'm, I guess, comes later on. And she was saying that 
when she went to the doctors, and she was like five or something at this point, this little girl, she got her diagnosis and she said that she was just so emotional, like yeah. as a mum, like, as a mum, so emotional after it. And I thought that was interesting because they basically told her what she already knew. Yeah. But but it was it was that it was finally recognised. Yeah, it was confirmed. Confirmed. And, yeah. And, and the and I don't want to say the struggle because this little girl is amazing. Yeah, she's gorgeous I'm sure she and, is. and delightful. But it's like having a diagnosis means that you can like set about how the best way to look after her is. Right. To, like, nurture her to the best of your ability. Yeah. the first day of the rest of her life. Exactly. Is that, is that moment. And the fact that she had it so young is perfect. It's right. like, the because you're still at such a developmental part at five. I think they say six is where you're best to learn languages or something. Is it? But, yeah, if, okay. you're, if you have something like that, a diagnosis that age will set you up for the rest of your life to to know how to I don't want to say deal with it but you right. know what I mean how, yeah, to, yeah. how to best cater and to manage her. yeah cope yeah. Or, or set new exactly set new mechanisms into place yeah. or whatever yeah I was talking about this earlier at work as I now work in um, of course I now yes. work in a school I wanted school. to ask you about that yeah I'm working in a school um, which is great if I was a stand up comedian I'd have so much <laughs> so much material from the last three weeks yeah. it would be insane so I work in a school which is deals with specialist educational needs and cool. a lot of autism and what were and ADHD and what would have formerly been known as Asperger's but uh -huh. I don't think that that's PC anymore oh really I'm not sure someone said it was it's got a throw but it, the, it comes the root of it is from from Nazi oh god um the way that Nazis would um distinguish between uh, high functioning and low, I don't know, okay. something like that. Some, some grim history lessons. Bloody Nazis again. What would have formerly been known as Asperger's um, until recently um, is catered for at, at this school. And they are hilarious. Yeah. They're hilarious. Some of the stuff I can't tell you. <laughs> I want, I'll tell you after. Um, but one of them, the other day, I worked one to one with this guy and I, can't, I won't say his name. And uh, so I was just removing these these bats, this baseball bat from the art room that was meant to be painted and decorated. And I started removing a cricket bat. And I was just gently giving it to a teacher in, in, the, uh, in the hallway, just because it's like, I don't, it wasn't just him. They were all a bit hyped up. Yeah. And I just didn't want these bats involved. Yeah. They, in, in they the, introduce weapons. Into the, yeah, into the, art, into the art room of yeah. all places. And he, he caught wind of this and grabbed an arm from a, a, a mannequin. <laughs> and he walked down the corridor over his shoulder, right? Because <laughs> he knew that we were doing something sneaky. <laughs> and he went, Andy, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, nothing, mate. And I was just handing this bat through the door to the other teacher. And he goes, I'm fucking armed. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and we, me and the other teacher and him just stood in the hallway laughing, just <laughs> laughing together. And then, and then he's good as gold, really. Yeah. I, 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 I'm really very fond of him. How are you um, finding it all? I love it. I love it. Yeah. Much better than what I was doing previously working in that shop. I don't know how <laughs> I... I was in there the other day buying yeah. something and I was thinking, how the fuck did I do this? How long ever? did you work there? It's like 10 years. Fuck. Mm. Wow. But I was working on this podcast and I was touring yeah. the world and doing other great oh, things. Oh, no, totally, um, yeah. So that's my justification for staying there. But... I, I, 
like like you say, I follow each other on social media and that. Yeah. I just had assumed that co-op had fallen by the wayside and that uh, you were doing all this other stuff. That's that's um, the plan. Is, <laughs> and then I, when I listened to one of these podcasts the other day, I was like, holy shit, he's still at co-op. <laughs> Something's never changed. Uh, but yes, no, co-op has officially fallen by the wayside. Good riddance and good, goodbye. But good also you. thank you for yes. all of that. But it's done now and I'm never going back. Good. And um, uh, yeah, it's, I'm really enjoying this this new um, job. Chapter. It's good. It's really good. And like I said, if you worked in a school like that, you'd have so much material. If you want to give me any stories, then. I'll give you one or two after this. <laughs> I probably shouldn't put on the pod. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But yeah, oh, they're great. They're great. And I actually prefer them to like normal Human, normal people. Normal humans. <laughs> I'm like one of them. I feel like they've accepted me into their like yeah. ne- neurodiverse tribe and have seen me as one of their own. And uh, it's a really lovely feeling. That's nice. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's amazing. But, um, but yes. So let's move away from the from okay. this day job. Before I start saying stuff that I'm not allowed to say <laughs> by accident. Don't want to edit too much. Um, tell, me about the, tell me about your podcast where are you okay. at with your podcast right now? And just tell people, like, well, tell me, like, what your general idea of what your podcast is, because we were talking about this earlier before we, we started, is in, like, what is the giant pod? Yeah. Um, so what is Subfun? And I'm still standing. What like? Let's start with Subfun. Okay, Subfun. So basically, I was finding that every comedy night I went to was run by straight white men and... I found there was a lot of places that I would take a long time to get a gig at. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the women thing or the queer thing or whatever. And sometimes I wouldn't do so well at those shows. And right. sometimes I'd do better than they expected. Um, and so I, I teamed up with this other comedian and we basically, we just wanted to do a night that was supporting women, basically, and uh, wanted to make it a, a really fun night. So some of these nights, are like, you feel like they're just trying to get as many people on the bill to get as many people in the seats. So, like, there's this thing called bringer. So it's a bringer gig. What's where that? To be able to perform, you have to bring somebody. So sometimes these shows will have 20 people on the bill, so there will at least be 20 people in the audience. That feels really desperate. It really is. I don't know if I'm <laughs> laughing at, at Act 18. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's I don't tedious. Know. The right. amount of times when I've turned up and I've realised I'm at the bottom half of the second half, and I'm like, fuck. Like, first of all, you're supposed to stay till the end. Nobody fucking does. Right. And so you're, you've got it's the, the dregs. same with, with bands. The yeah. music scene and the comedy scene, I think there's probably a lot of um, crossovers or parallels. Definitely. You've got the people that will come up, do their stand-up and fuck off home and not yeah. watch the guys afterwards. That's a no-no in the music scene. Yeah. And also, you know, you bring a load of people with yeah. you to the, to the gig and or a band does, and you think, oh, great, there's a decent turnout tonight, yeah. and they're all fucking outside until that band is on, exactly. and then everyone piles in, and then they all fuck off again, yeah. and you it's play to five people. Yeah. yeah. So we wanted to make it a night that was a bit more fun, made sure it, we kind of, this sounds wanky, but we kind of made this little community. So we did it before the lockdown came in, we, we'd done it for about a year and a half, and I did some over the lockdown as well. I did some. Uh, I did about six 
uh, six different shows um, over the first part of this year. Um, and I basically, I had people kept, like messaging me saying, when's that fun girl again? And because we we'd made this night that was really fun. Sorry. <coughs> ah, you're all right. <laughs> Do you need some water? No, it's, I good. had like a sneeze and a cough at the same time. Oh. Is that a snuff? Is that a snuff? <laughs> you heard it here first. Or a seize? I don't know. A seize? <laughs> Probably feels like everything's seized. Yeah. Is that really I just had, you know when you've got that tickle of the sneeze? Uh-huh. Just, yeah. 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 Just, I do like that though. Yeah. It's, a weird, it's, like, a, it's like a head climax. Isn't <laughs> yeah. It? Well, they say it's like a sixteenth of an orgasm or something. Yeah, something like that. Probably bullshit. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to make this night that was really fun. We had a deal with the bar where all the acts got drinks and it just had this kind of fun vibe. And we got, I hate the word vibe. I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. But um, yeah, we, we, yeah, we got this really nice group of comedians. A lot of them were female and queer and people of colour and just trying to make it a bit more of a diverse lineup. Um, sometimes not not possible uh-huh. <laughs> and not have a million acts on the show i think we 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 capped it at nine so we tried to have nine or less mm-hmm. and everybody gets five minutes except for the headliner and so it's like five minutes yeah 30 seconds of that is posturing isn't it yeah basically? totally so you've got four and a half minutes to, to will them over. And but, you get I mean, those greedy standard. fucks that are like, oh yeah, I'll do oh, six or seven because they're loving it. They're going to get flashed if they go over. It's What's a, it's flashed a, mean? So not, not... Not like that. No, not, no, not like that. Because no. <laughs> everyone would stay on exactly. stage, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah carry on. <laughs> um, no, basically... Oh, they love me. <laughs> if you, yeah, that's the difference between the, the music scene and the comedy scene. Right. You don't want to get flashed at a comedy scene. <laughs> Like you, you basically, it's a cardinal sin to go over your time. Okay. So everybody knows not to go over your time because everything's time, everything's got, yeah, everything's worked out. But if somebody's really killing it, I'll let them go over. But right. by the time it's gone over by a minute, I'm like, it's like. What's the flash though? Is it a torch? It's like a torch, yeah. I use my phone. You just put the SOS on. Um, yeah. Well, if it carries on too long, I've actually, I've had to walk on stage once and be like, all right, enough. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's bad, yeah. isn't it? That's bad. Yeah. Did, did, they ever, did you ever book them again? Um, I can't remember. Probably, because they, they were good, but yeah. Right. It's just, the thing is, I think it's really rude to the rest of your performers. Mm. Like, there's six, seven of us that all want to do our bit you do your bit and then you fuck off. Right. Um, but stay in the audience, please. <laughs> we want more pound of flesh. Yeah. And then fuck off. Yeah, do what you're supposed to do uh, and then get off. But it, we usually had people sticking to their time and like if they thought that they were overrunning, like, can I do like one more story? And it was just a bit more of a chilled out environment than some of the places that I went to. So it, does it feel more nurturing? Yeah, I think so. Than, than sort of... There is, there's going to be elitism, isn't there? Oh, in absolutely. Every, in every and that's what culture. I fucking hated. Right. I, didn't, I didn't really fit in with a lot of the established nights. Mm. So I was like, well, I'll just do my own and mm. see what happens there. And yeah, it was fun. Good. I really hope to do it again. I just need to find a venue. What happened to your previous venue? Well, they just kind of fucked me off a bit. All oh, right. <laughs> yeah, there was like this 
So we were supposed to be getting paid towards the end, and then that didn't happen, and then lockdown came in, and I kept on trying to communicate with them to do, like, I was trying to do some outdoor gigs and wanted them to do the bar and all this stuff, right. which is in their interest, but yeah. they just never really got back to me on anything. So I thought, you know what? Fuck you. Bastards. Um, so, and I've moved now, so I don't live close to that venue anymore. Okay. So. What part of London are you in now? I'm still in South East London, but I'm practically on the border of Kent. Oh, very <laughs> yeah. nice. Yep. Very Garden nice. of England. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's a very nice area, actually. I bet, I've heard. Yeah, yeah. it's very I think nice. I've been to Kent. I've been to Kent. You've got to go through Kent to get to Dover, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah? I, I don't know. Yeah, I expect matter. you do. Who cares? Um, <laughs> I expect you do. <laughs> Geography isn't my thing. When someone says I'm from Kent, I do my in my head there's a hand doing that thing where the thumbs and the fingers are rubbing to you know, for the money. I'm from Kent. And I think Quint's in. Oh, you must be Quint's in. Yeah, I don't know why. It's my I mean, there's lots probably. of um rich areas, I I think. Yeah. But like where we are, it's a real juxtaposition. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which I quite like. Okay. Yeah. Um, um so what we so the sub fun that's the sub fun night. Yeah, that's the night. So, what's the sub fun podcast? So Is I it the people have... that are on the night do the podcast? I don't have a podcast with that. So, the podcast is I'm still standing. Is I'm still standing. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was your. So, eventually, I want to do the panel show, which will be the sub fun panel show, which will have a podcast attached. Because it. it's on your Instagram bio. It says host at I'm still standing and sub fun. Okay. Hang on. I thought it was host brainchild. Brainchild, yes. It <laughs> Which says I that. Which was funny. Brainchild and host. Hashtag I'm still standing. Yeah. And sub fun. Yeah. Doesn't matter. But I host both of them, I guess. You do? And I thought of both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I am the brainchild. They're, they're your brainchild. Yeah. You're not the brainchild. Yeah. They're your brain children. They're my brain children. Okay, so tell me about the I'm Still Standing <laughs> podcast. But the sub fun is becoming a podcast. It will eventually, yeah. Right, once okay. yeah. Once I've got a venue, I wanna, yeah, do do the panel show. I'm gonna try and do it on Zoom with a bunch of comedians to start with. And then yeah. yeah. Well, this is my confusion. Yeah, it's I've got a lot of projects I wanna do. There's I've a lot even, going on with I've you, got isn't a there? script that I wanna write well, as well. God. <laughs> It's not a sitcom about a 33-year-old vicar. <laughs> no, sure. no, no, it's not. It's actually about a homeless man. Is it? It is. A, is he a it's former be vicar? Funny. <laughs> a yeah. former disgraced yeah, vicar. I, I totally destroyed that man and now he's a homeless man. Um, no, it's, it's about a, a true crime story, uh -huh. um, but it's very involved. I've not got anywhere with it. I've, I know how, I, I know what the main character is like um, and I know what the other kind of main character is like but i don't have anything pinned down okay it's all in the in the this is a very adhd thing as well yeah. is that you <laughs> start a project. million projects yeah. and finish none of them yes but i believe but I in have you gone through with a bunch of them i believe in you because you have a proven track record <laughs> yeah, I do. so i'm willing to i'm willing to say I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Because I, I think it will arrive. And do you know what? I'll have you as a guest on it. <gasps> there you go. 
on what this true crime what on no, the, no, on no, the, on the I'm still standing on the podcast. Screen. Yeah, on the yeah on the panel show. The panel, right? <laughs> so the sorry, my brain hops about. Put me on this panel show. Yeah, okay. I yeah I so I'm going to be the host, obviously, yeah. and then there'll be two constant comedians. I've got one signed up. She's brilliant. She's a character act. Um, Amy Cooper. Okay. She's very funny, but she's yeah she's got a few characters she does. Um, I haven't nailed down the other one yet. Okay. But then there'll be two other on each team. So they're the guests. captains, if you They will. are the captains, right. yeah. So this is following a traditional formula exactly. for TV exactly. panel shows. Exactly, yes. Okay. Again, another ADHD moment, because I want to talk about your podcast, yeah. but I can't help but say to you, what's your favourite panel show in history? Oh, okay. It's a big one, isn't it? I would say, and this one, I don't think it's ever made it to video. Right. So this is a nerdy podcast thing. But I fucking love it. The host is a fellow petite lady. She's not queer, though. Right. Uh, Dalia Ward. It's Do the Right Thing. It's so brilliant. And there's loads of series of it. But I think they're on a bit of a hiatus at the moment. So it's a podcast panel show? Yeah. Oh, no, I meant like a TV. So like Mock the Week, 8 out of 10 Cats... You didn't, you didn't clarify. Did I not? No. Sorry. That's another ADHD See, thing. Because <laughs> I think that that is better than any recorded film panel show. Okay. But if I have to, let me think. I do like 8 Out of 10 Cats does Countdown. I don't really like the original. Right. I don't know why. Um, yeah. I do like Countdown. They're That's kind of penny helped. though, aren't they? Oh, totally. Um, those panel shows. Yeah. Are. I'm trying to think. Uh, what, I mean, I love Buscox. Buscox was great. Yes, without without Amstel. Yeah, I which find he it, seems quite cool about apparently. Yeah, I, I find it kind of weird that Greg Davis is doing it though. I don't. I mean, which I'm a big Greg fan Davis? of his. He's the one that's massive. So he was in the Inbetweeners. He does Taskmaster. Oh, the the big chap. Yeah, he's hilarious. I really rate him. I think he's hilarious. His second appearance on the uh, Richard Herring's. Uh, yeah. podcast oh my god yeah 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 I was he like, talks about his friend that? who's eating cheese grated cheese or something <laughs> I was just I was belly laughing yeah, during that. Yeah. that that was great uh, yeah interesting choice because Simon Amstel was a very sort of nerdy geeky mm-hmm. um, I'm going to use the word beta male Yes, um, but that but that was fully leaned into. Oh, totally. That's that he his, wasn't that's the commanding host. That yeah. he was the kind of just about holding it together. But yeah, I think that's like after they had Mark Lamar, who was just telling everyone to fuck off. Basically, right? It was like we we can't get a Mark I Lamar. He did it. Like. I forgot he did it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Like we can't have someone that's like him. We have to go. You have to do the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and well, that is a smart choice. Which I guess, then again, they've done the extreme again, because, like, the authoritarian Greg Davis. (laughs) But I feel like I really like him in Taskmaster. I think he's brilliant in that role. Yeah. But it is a role that's made for him. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I I don't know if it's going to work in Buzzcocks, but Daisy May Cooper and him have a great rapport. Okay. Yeah. Who's that fella, the ginger chap? He's got a, he's got a um, a special on Netflix. Really, 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 really funny. He's got a very, very, very unique style. Is he English? Yes. Right, um, English. And um, Rich Wilson uh, has had him on his podcast. Right. 
Um, I've heard it. Tommy. Our friend Rich Wilson. Um, <laughs> oh, what's his name? I don't know. He's really, really funny, and he it's... plays a kind of nerdy kind of like. Oh, I know exactly who you mean. Uh, James Acaster. James Acaster. Yeah. He would be great on the bus cars. Yeah. But he would be f- a similar vibe to Amstel, wouldn't he? Yeah. 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 Hmm. I think Nish Kumar would be good. Who? Nish Kumar. Ah, yes. This is like fantasy football. Yeah, exactly. This is like fantasy casting. <laughs> well, why don't we for, get um... a fucking woman in there? Why don't Daisy May Cooper do it? I think she'd be great host. Yes. Valid point. Yeah. Just because it's been two it's dudes been... before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I like that Irish woman. I can't remember her name either. She's what, very... Ashling B? Yeah, yeah, she's very funny. She's very funny, she's yeah. She's very, very funny. Yeah, I haven't watched the second season of This Way Up, but I'm sure it's just right. as excellent. No, I didn't watch it. You're really <laughs> nerdy about comedy, aren't you? I, yeah. You love it. I'm I'm a bit more, um, like, I, was, I like Jerry Seinfeld because okay. he talks about the process. So do you like Stuart Lee as well? Yes, yeah. although I don't laugh at Stuart Lee. Yeah, he's... Um, I just sit and watch... It's a delayed thing with him, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, like the genius washes over, like the, the realisation of the genius washes over you about 30 seconds later and he's already on to the next thing. Yeah. The thing that annoys me about Stuart Lee, though, right. is like his fans that do stand-up, they think that they're him. Uh, it drives me fucking nuts. Right. The amount of oh, like Stuart Lee clothes I've Morrissey's seen on... Morrissey's getting up, yeah, trying to be like Ryan. Like, you're not clever enough. Yeah, just not that. <laughs> like, you, you, that's been done and yeah. it's been done very well and you're not going to... Yeah. I hate they, to slag people off but it's just like, well, get your own shtick. Right? Because he's an archetype. Yeah. Because what he does, no one does... Well, people do... Jerry Seinfeld's a very classic comedian mm. but he is the typical of that. He's the archetype of that style of comedy. Same with Ricky Gervais. He was an archetype. Mm-hmm. And after that, you could see a load of people mm-hmm. um, doing the same brand of, mm-hmm. of, of comedy. Totally. Um, Bill Hicks is, the, is an archetype. Yeah. George Carling was an archetype. Yeah. Um, what's his face? Uh, the one they love. The one they, they all love. The goat. Um, Richard Pryor. Oh, right. Was an archetype. The one they all love. They all love him. <laughs> they all love Richard Pryor. They all yeah, say they he's do. the greatest of all time. Yeah. Um, Chris Rock, archetype. Mm-hmm. And so Stuart Lee is as well. And the thing is with Stuart Lee is for Stuart Lee to pull off that Stuart Lee persona, however clever and ingenious you think he is on stage, he has to be probably 20 or 30% cleverer in real life (laughs) to envision that and put that together. Mm -hmm. Like he, the the, the one you're seeing on stage, so intelligent, like crazy clever, like next level. He's, his thought patterns, the way he thinks Mm -hmm. is completely different to most other people. But you have to realize that to even put that together and to get that onto the stage and to be in that character, he has to be cleverer than the Stuart Lee that you know. Exactly. Which is impressive. And they don't Mm. see that. They won't see that. So they'll be Stuart, they'll be diet Stuart Lee. Yeah. Like, what's the fucking point? Poundland Lee. Exactly. You don't want to be the poor man's Lee. I should get into comedy. I th- I've figured this game out. You should just slag off all the right. <laughs> slag off all the other acts. I'm sure that will go down really Stuart well. Lee comedians out there listening to it going, "Oh my god, he's right." <laughs> yeah, it he's... is not enough to just be Stuart Lee. Yeah, you have to be Stuart Lee plus. You have to be Stuart Lee off stage, right. and I don't think that's fun. Yeah, you've got to have that. <laughs> 
Um, His wife's fucking hilarious, though. I've seen her a bunch of times. Yeah. She's really great. I saw her doing a work in progress, like, years ago. Um, And it, it was... She was just working off a notepad, and it was maybe, like, two or three months before Edinburgh. And it was so good and I thought I cannot wait to see this finished never did because uh, I forget about these things because <laughs> <laughs> ADHD yeah right so we're going back to the I'm Still Standing podcast yes um, and we'll wrap this up after okay I want, cool. I want to know about <clears throat> I want to know about this podcast okay so I started this podcast because I had gone through a trauma And um, I noticed that I was always kind of like dealing with it in the same sort of way. Was that a sort of destructive way? I I guess in the past more so, yeah. But it was like the beginning of it was always the same that I would like ignore that it's happening, hope it goes away. Obviously it gets bigger, harder to deal with. And then that can lead to destructive things. Right. Um, Which I like as I'm getting to know myself more like within the last six years... I'm stopping doing the destructive stuff so much. Interesting. But I still do this whole, it'll probably, it'll rectify itself, which it doesn't. Um, So now I'm in therapy, I'm medicated, things are good. Um, But I just really wanted to like tap into that whole coping mechanism and like see what other people's are and I also like I, I really love to talk about trauma <laughs> I, I, I find it really fascinating yeah. but mostly because I don't want to have like a heavy conversation and then we cry and it's all heavy like I like having a heavy conversation with people that can take the piss out of me five seconds later right so I pick, like picked people that I knew had gone I'm thinking through... of something to take the piss out of you for now. <laughs> but like, knew I knew they'd gone through some pretty major things. Yeah. But I also knew that they either had incredible ways of coping with it, and are hilarious, or had ridiculous ways of coping with it. And we could talk about that. So I wanted it to be a comedy podcast about trauma. Okay. And um, I feel like I, I got that. <laughs> and so when you're picking your guest, you have to say like... like don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> right. But you are talking about your trauma. Yeah. So right. the way I did it to start with, so it was in lockdown, like in the first lockdown, I just put a note out on the Subfun page because I knew there's a bunch of comedians that follow me. I had some friends I'd already decided I was going to ask to be part of it. Right. Because I've got quite funny friends as well. I fucking hope so. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so I was like, okay, this is going to seem like a strange concept, but I want to do a podcast that is primarily about trauma, but we talk about it in a lighthearted way. So my tagline is a lighthearted chat about heavy shit. Like it? Yeah. And I also, I tried to like coin this uh, hashtag, but I'm the only one that's using it. So I don't think you can say that I'm trending. Right. But it's something that I've always said about myself, turning trauma into humour since 87. Right. 87, It's a bit of a mouthful. It is, it really is. And, like, when you read it, it, (laughs) it's not a good hashtag. (laughs) That's why it's not trending. But, yeah, I like like the idea of talking, like, we talk about rape and we talk about suicide and we talk about abuse and... 
we'll do it all by laughing as well. I'm not used to smiling, looking at someone as they talk about rape. That yeah. felt really weird to me. Though yeah. I'm just smiling because I'm just enjoying this, and then yeah. boom, yeah. bam, there it is. And I was like, oh, should I not smile now? What do <laughs> what, I do? What do I do with my face? <laughs> What's my face doing? Do I look yeah. What's what am I doing now? What's appropriate here? Yeah. Um, but that's, I guess, that is the that's kind of the podcast right exactly it's it's sort of disarming these massive definitely these huge subjects yeah and... there's it's subjects that people feel like they shouldn't talk about publicly you know right um and i know that i've felt like that about certain things and i think it's bullshit yeah. i think you should be able to talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about um and if that is that you were beaten up by your partner or you suffered an awful rape. Like, you you stop yourself talking about these things because you're worried about what the other people feel. Like, Mm. you don't want to be the person that's dragging the air out of the room. Mm. But, like, the fact that we don't talk about those things is what does that. And the more we discuss these big topics, the less power we give them. And I feel like humour is a great way of dealing for me anyway it's not for everybody and so some people will listen to it and be like you're a fucking terrible human but for me and for my guests we use humor to deal with these big things that have happened to us right yeah she's basically all stand-up comedians isn't exactly <laughs> yeah it's a, like the the heart of comedy i didn't is trauma. mean that but it's, it's a lot <laughs> no, but it's of fucking true <laughs> yeah. it's it's so true tragedy and humor mm. Go hand in hand. It's tragedy and comedy, isn't it? Yeah. What's it? It's um. <laughs> someone tried to say this on my podcast and tripped over it about five times. That's Julie Grady Thomas, very funny comedian. Um, it's tragedy plus timing equals comedy. Oh. Yeah, I think it's Woody Allen, so we shouldn't really quote him too much. But that's uh, that's what's spot wrong with on. Woody Allen? Oh, he was a oh. bit. He was a bit of a wrong one, wasn't he? He, Is that he right? married his daughter. Ah, that's the fella. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not blood, but like, if you're going to bring somebody into your home as your daughter, don't fuck them later. Big thank you to this week's guest, Nicholas Stephen. We will leave links to the I'm Still Standing podcast and the Subfun Comedy Night in the show notes description box. If you liked this, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. If you've got a couple of friends that you think will enjoy this, please do the simple steps and share it with them. That would really, really help us out. And it's a way of keeping this podcast free of charge and uh, supporting us without spending any money, which is great. Everyone wants that, I think. Uh, if you want to follow this on social media, you can. It's at the Giant Pod on Twitter and at the Giant Pod on Instagram. My personal Instagram is Andy underscore TGP. This podcast was produced by the world's greatest prop comedian, Harry Williams. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week on the Giant Pod. Thanks very much. Ciao, baby. I think that's it, Harry.